podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Miller, lovely cushion header. Bajero! Hello and welcome to this, your final Champions League preview podcast of the group stages here on uh, Anfield Index. And I, I do say that in a, in a very um, ambiguous way, um, certainly on purpose anyway, as we will get to. Now, I must confess I wanted to, uh, I did want to have this podcast as, as nothing more than a dead rubber. We were going to be talking about a dead rubber, how Liverpool could afford to rest the stars and allow them to uh, to give some of the uh, certain players a bit of a night off with all the fixtures that we've got piling up. But no, that's not the Liverpool way. This Liverpool team, they like to have something riding on every single game, it seems. So we come to match day six and Liverpool face a very, very tricky tie away in Salzburg. And judging by how good Salzburg were at Anfield earlier in the group stages... Um, they've got a bit of a task on their hands, and um, yeah, we've got we've got to get a result. So there's it's all to play for, and it's certainly everything is on the line here on match day six. So I'm delighted to be joined for this uh, for this edition from uh, I should say <laughs> from from the valleys. Is that fair, Sam? Uh, Anfield Index contributor Sam Sambo Evans, welcome along uh, from the valleys. Is that right? That that'll do. <laughs> we, we, we'll take that mate yeah that's fine yeah um, we were oh, sorry I was just going to say we were we were reminiscing about Wednesday night I mean you were there Liverpool Everton the, yeah. Mer- the Merseyside derby we were having so much fun chatting about that I guess I got a little bit lost there yeah I'm freshly back from a 468 hour bus journey back uh, it was absolutely horrific the, tri- the, the trip back they closed pretty much every road we wanted to go on but I smiled the whole way back after that performance and just absolutely rubbing it into Everton's faces. Um, yeah, so I, I'm really, really positive now. After getting that win, getting the five goals, it's it's something I think we've kind of had in our locker for a little while. So it's really, really nice to see us, you know, banging a few goals. Well, it could be worse. I mean, on that trip home, you could be Everton going down various dead ends. I I have actually got a few Everton supporting mates, and can you imagine that if they had to do that same journey on a bus? <laughs> oh my god! Like <laughs> they it, couldn't it, even it took, park a bus. Oh mate, it took about six hours. It was insane. It shouldn't take anywhere near that long. Uh, so yeah, I I had the result in my pocket just to enjoy on the way back. So it was it was not a problem at all. So um, yeah, just looking forward to chatting about the uh, uh, getting back down to business in the Champions League now. Yeah, well, it's obviously <clears throat> nice for us to be able to talk about something so positive uh, as a performance against like that against Everton and some fantastic goals. Of course, this is the Champions League podcast, so uh, we won't be concentrating on that. And we have to start things with 
um, a slightly more solemn tone because Liverpool faced Napoli in match day five. Now, you know, it, it was quite simple. A win at home for Liverpool meant they were through to the next stage of the competition. And as I mentioned, you know, that then the game in Salzburg could be a dead rubber. We could be looking at resting key players such as um, such as uh, Virgil van Dijk. We could be giving him a night off. We could be resting the front three. Um, the amount of fixtures that we've got, got coming up, it would have been a, a welcome thing to be able to do. But no, that's not how things panned out because, as I said, Liverpool don't seem to like to do things the easy way. We we like to do things the hard way. So um, the the game finished 1-1, but uh, what were your thoughts on the night? Yeah, there seems to have been a lot of negativity around it. Um, I think, as you said, we all kind of had our hearts set on Liverpool finally giving us a little breather that we are desperate for. You know, last season was absolutely breathless. The whole season, we were all exhausted by the end of the season. It was just every single game was must win. It was so important. So the opportunity to, as you said, not only rest boys, you know, I think that Trent and Robbo, it would have been so handy to be able to rest them for this game. You know, they're playing every week, uh, maybe one of the front three. So we were looking forward to that opportunity. Um, no, the fact that it hasn't happened, um, you know, the, the way I'm looking at it, the it, it, it's given us a chance now to actually have another competitive game. And personally, even though I wanted the rest for, you know, the science of it to give them basically a rest for their legs, this Liverpool side tends to perform at their best when it's got momentum. So I'm trying to look at it as a positive. We tend to perform on the big occasion when it really matters. So it, it's given us a chance now to. Ha- we've got no, absolutely no choice but to try and up our game for this one. Um, regards to the Napoli performance itself, it, it, a lot of people have moaned about it, but we absolutely dominated Napoli. You know, I know their their game plan was to come and frustrate, uh, but they didn't have a single shot after that goal that they scored in like the twenty something minutes. So. Uh, and we had like 72% possession, 15 shots to four. It was a complete domination. So even though we didn't get the, the result we wanted at the end of the day, I think it's had a bit more negative press than it really should have. I mean, that's that's a fair one. And what about that, uh, the goal and a Lovren header, absolute bullet header? You think that, that was it was um, nice for him personally as well? Because I, I know he's had some fairly solid game, but he's also had a few of his, his own moments in there. Nice for him to have a bit of positivity. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, you know, I, I've said this on many pods, you know, I've given him a bit of stick for some of his brain farts, shall we say. Uh, he, he does tend to switch off on occasion. Uh, he did a bit of that, as we discussed before the pod, uh, in the Everton game, actually. But there is a player in there. You know, he's he's clearly got a lot of talent. And he actually managed to showcase a bit of his passing ability in that Everton game. So, you know, hopefully he'll continue that kind of vein of form. But um, it was a much-needed goal for him. You know, there was also a bit of a a cry from a lot of the opposition fans that he might have fouled them in the in the jump and give a little push before heading it in. But you know, it would have been a bit of a soft free kick, I think, to do that. So, um, yeah, you know, Lovren's had a bit of a run now. I think he must be. I haven't I haven't checked the stats, but he must be pushing his longest ever run, uninterrupted run in the Liverpool starting lineup. So he usually tends to pick up an injury around this kind of point. So 
Um, Don't I be jinxing us. No, well, no, what I was going to get to is I wouldn't be surprised if the sports science guys are looking at it and maybe thinking he, he's due a rest soon. So uh, that's just something to look out for as well. Mm, interesting point, interesting point. I mean, you mentioned the... Uh, you know, a, a few accusations of, of a potential push there. I, I've personally, looking at the goal that Napoli scored, I thought it was an absolute, uh, for me, it was a stonewall foul on Virgil van Dijk. Um, uh, was it was it Dries Mertens who looked at, looked at him and then yeah. stepped across with the elbow into the gut? Uh, call it soft if you want, I think, but for me, he knew exactly what he was doing. He, he put him off. It was a foul, but surprisingly yeah. wasn't brought back on VAR. Uh, having just sorry to just kind of pretext that is the previous night PSG versus uh, Real Madrid versus PSG, there was a foul brought. You know PSG had scored a goal and it was all brought back for a foul. So or not sorry not a goal. They they got a penalty or free kick and um, uh, Courtois was going to be was going to be sent off, but it all got brought back for a foul. So having seen that the night before. Yeah. I was surprised that it didn't uh, get overruled on VAR. Yeah, this is the thing that's really frustrating, isn't it? And and the way that they actually did it, um, they gave the goal, didn't they? They, they reviewed, I think, was it the, the offside first, said he was onside, gave the goal, and then they did another review for the foul and then gave the goal. So I don't know whether they did the offside and gave the goal and then went, oh, there's a foul potentially. We'll check it again, but then felt like they'd already awarded the goal and didn't want to overturn it then. So maybe it kind of influenced their decision whether to actually try and overturn it at that point because they didn't want to look like mugs when they've actually already said goal and then have to change it. But I, I'm with you. It was a it was a clever bit of play for Mertens. He kind of leaned into Virgil as he was going up for the header. He didn't even try and compete. So you know it was clearly taken Virgil out of the game. But the the best thing he did as well, showing his experience, rather than kind of, you know, waiting and, and looking guilty, he just ran into the space that's then been vacated by the now prone Van Dyke who was just lying on the ground and actually capitalised on it and finished really, really well. So for me, absolutely no problem with what he did. He, he tried to bend the rules as much as he could and he got away with it. So... As you said, the frustrating thing is is the lack of consistency that we're getting with the decisions. Um, you know, it is going to be inevitable. It's different people looking at, you know, uh, decisions which are based on opinion. So we're always going to get a bit of inconsistency. But the level of inconsistency that we're getting at the moment is is pretty astounding. So um, I thought it was better in the Champions League. But I think this game kind of proved that there there are problems there. You know, no matter what competition we're in, when it comes to VAR. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, VAR was supposed to iron all this out, but it certainly doesn't seem to have done that. We're arguing about VAR decisions now instead of the original ones. But um, anyway, right. So taking a look, that was obviously so that was Liverpool one and Napoli one in match day five. Um, before we get into the the Liverpool Salzburg game, we'll we'll take a look around the groups and see where the competition is. So, uh, the Tuesday night in Group A, you had uh, Galatasaray one, Club Bruges one, and Real Madrid two, PSG two, uh, and that basically meant that um, in Group A, that uh, PSG finished top, 
well clear at the top. Real Madrid are going to go through in in second place. So that game, that uh, group is is all decided. So there's nothing really anything left to play for in that group. Uh, in Group B, you had Red Star Belgrade nil, Bayern Munich six. Uh, quite a performance that. And uh, Tottenham four, Olympiacos two. And in terms of their group, Bayern are well clear at the top, and Spurs are well clear in second place. So again. There's not really anything left to play for in that group. Um, group C, Atalanta 2, Dinamo Zagreb 0, and Manchester City 1, Shakhtar Donetsk 1. Uh, and that means that uh, City are well clear on top, so they go through as group winners, but there is still second place to be decided between uh, Shakhtar and Dinamo Zagreb, so there's only a point between them two. Uh, in Group D, you had Lokomotiv Moscow 0, Bayer Leverkusen 2 and Juventus 1, Atletico Madrid 0. And that means in Group D, Juve are through as group winners and then it is between Atletico on 7 points and Bayer Leverkusen on 6 points as to who will finish second. And uh, fixtures we will come to uh, all in good time. Uh, Then on the Wednesday night, uh, as we've discussed in Group E, uh, Liverpool won, Napoli won, and there was Genk won, Red Bull, Salzburg four, which means in Liverpool's group, Liverpool are top by a point ahead of Napoli, but Red Bull, Salzburg are on seven points, so technically can still catch Liverpool. So it's there, there's it's still all to play for, and uh, we will certainly get to that. And obviously with Napoli playing Genk, you'll expect them to be going through. Um, anyway, Barcelona 3, Borussia Dortmund 1 and Slavia Prague 1 into Milan 3 in Group F. And their group is um, Barcelona 4 points clear at the top. So Barcelona through is group winners of Group F. And then you've got Inter Milan and Borussia Dortmund both on 7 points apiece. So there's plenty to uh, play for in that group. And uh, that'll be an interesting one which we will discuss. Uh, group G, Zenit 2, Leon 0, and uh, RB Leipzig 2, Benfica 2. And in that group, uh, Leipzig are three points clear at the top, with Zenit and Leon both on seven points. So there's uh, still much to play for in that group. That one's going to be very, very interesting. And finally, in Group H, we've got Valencia 2, Chelsea 2, and Lille 0, Ajax 2 which means that uh, Group H, as it sits, is Ajax on top with 10 points and then Valencia and Chelsea with eight points apiece. Um, still still a lot to play for in, in a few groups there, uh, Sam, but um, a few of them, I, I think as we would expect, a few of the favourite teams already through to the next stage in, uh, in Barcelona, Juve, Man City, PSG, uh, Real Madrid, Bayern and Spurs. Man City's... Cup draws are getting, they're just absolutely hilarious, aren't they? <laughs> you just look at them, oh my God. Yeah, we're almost expecting them to get Merthyr Tidville in the next round of the, yeah. uh, the Champions League. Well, yeah, th- there's a good chance. Um, it, it's it's bonkers, isn't it? I, I know they, they seem to have a lot of beef, you know, with the UEFA and everything, and they, they've always kind of complained about them, saying that they're, they're, they're against them, but they're, they're absolutely not against them when it comes to their group... Uh, Groups that they're getting in the Champions League anyway, so that that was an absolute gimme for them. So, you know, they've had nice, easy games in that tournament, um, and even though they've had that, uh, they they've still ended up struggling a bit this season in the in the league uh, so far anyway. So, 
uh, you know that that goes to say a lot. Um, yeah, you know, obviously Bayern looking very impressive at the moment. They're always going to be a threat. Um, you know, usual suspects then PSG, Real Madrid. Uh, you know, all, all a lot of the big boys are already through, aren't they? Um, Chelsea was interesting actually because they they were so close to going through automatically, weren't they last week um, as well? And then they've got uh, Lille at home now coming up. So um, even though it's a nice home game, you just never know how they might twitch now when it comes down to the last match. Yeah, I mean, I, I've so far this uh, this season, I've asked every guest, you know, who who they think are the the biggest threat to Liverpool retaining their crown. And I get obviously that you know, like you've said there, you know that all the all the usual names, the, the the big clubs, they're they're most of them are already through to the next stage. So I mean, they're the obvious contenders. But is it um is it fair to say that um perhaps the the biggest threat to Liverpool retaining the Champions League is Liverpool? You know what? I I look at the Champions League teams now because we've been so good over the last couple of years. I don't have any fear of a single team, and. That's incredible, considering you know what a turnaround compared to the days of us in the Champions League under Brendan Rodgers when we were putting a reserve team out against Real Madrid away because we we basically waved the white flag and knew that we weren't going to win, so we ended up resting players in the Champions League because we were that poor compared. And and now I'm just looking at it and going, you know, Real Madrid. Barcelona, I, I don't really care who we get. I'm, I'm not fearful of them because I've got so much confidence. I'd say, you know, for me, the biggest threat to us, obviously you're saying, you know, Liverpool, we, we need to perform on the day and maybe this season especially, our eyes are very, very firmly fixed on the Premier League. You know, so that's all I want. That's all most Liverpool fans want. And it could be excused if we ended up kind of you know, slipping up in the Champions League this season due to that. But don't get me wrong, we absolutely must qualify for, for the next stage. Um, regards to the biggest threat, I think, especially with the way the league's gone so far, I, I can't look any further than Man City. You know, it, despite the, they've had their troubles this season so far, they're still an unbelievable side. Uh, you know, they've already qualified for the next round and they're likely to have a few of their injured players back as well by the time it gets to the knockout stages. So, for me, I think this is the season where Pep really, really goes for the Champions League. Mm, It it could be certainly being interesting. That's a good point as well with some of their injured plays coming back. Uh, Just looking ahead to the fixtures for match day six then. Uh, Tuesday, uh, Liverpool's group in Group E. Both early kickoffs uh, this week. Um, Salzburg versus Liverpool and Napoli versus Genk. um, I think it goes without saying that we expect Napoli to do the business at home to Genk, which means it, it's all on Liverpool to to get something from that uh, from that game. But we will speak, we will discuss that one a little more in depth uh, shortly. Um, Group F, as I as I mentioned, Borussia Dortmund are at home to Slavia Prague, and then Inter Milan are at home to Barcelona. Now this is a very interesting one, uh, and it's one that I'll be watching um, on on Tuesday night. Sam, because as I said, you know, when you look at that, it's Barcelona are through, Inter Milan and Borussia Dortmund, both on seven points. Everything rests on uh, what each team gets in their individual games there. Yeah, that will be interesting, actually. Uh, you know, even though Inter Milan are home, they have got Barcelona. So, um, 
it, it kind of depends how how seriously Barcelona kind of take take that match. You know, are they really gonna? They're not the kind of team that are gonna put their feet up for a match at, at any level. They're they're always gonna play Messi whenever he's available. Even if they get a chance to rest him because he wants to be the top goal scorer. Um, yeah, you know, looking at that, you've got to say Dortmund have got a great chance to nip in now, uh, considering the, the the fixtures they've got there. So I think uh, the fact that we've got a nice early kickoff means that we, we will have a chance to actually check those out as well. Yeah, like I said, I'm very much looking forward to, uh, to that one uh, and enjoy it as a neutral. Um, in Group G, another one that was quite close, as you mentioned, uh, Benfica plays Zenit and then Leon against RB Leipzig. So, uh, so RB Leipzig, a point absolutely secures them. They're away from it. But, but Benfica against Zenit now, and and Leon. No, Leon have got to got to get a win. Zenit have got to get a win, and and should they both win, they they could potentially push RB Leipzig out of it so it's again that that's going to be an interesting one isn't it yeah definitely um fair play to Leipzig they you know they they, they keep they, they've got this kind of production line that we know that, that you know, obviously it comes from Salzburg then they get them and then they kind of sell them on for a profit and it's just a constant flow but it, it it's really really working as well because they keep getting these stars well, they develop a star, they sell them on, and then they keep coming back and, and, and performing. So, you know, it, they've done really, really well this season um, to, to top the group there. But obviously, um, there's still potential then for them to... Um, well, it looks like they're safe then, are they? Or are they they could actually still drop out despite the three-point gap. Yeah, yeah they, they could. The permutations I mean, they could, could get. Yeah, yeah, the permutations are there, yeah, but... I mean, if they they just say they they get a draw, then that's them through, and then it's all on Zenit if Zenit uh, win yeah. the game. You know, it's it's again, it's it's one of them though where, you know, you can't afford to be switched off. So it's it's certainly going to be an interesting one. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think head to head takes precedent as well, doesn't yeah, it? Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, looking at Group H, then you've got Ajax at home to Valencia, and then you've got Chelsea at home to Lille. Now. I think the thing for this really is you'd expect Ajax to be able to beat Valencia at home. And so it's on Chelsea. If, if Chelsea can get themselves a win, then then that's it. They're through. You know, the it's simple as that really for them. And, and I guess how impressed have you been with Chelsea in this competition this year? Because that, that's another thing. I mean, we don't expect them to win it or we don't expect them to be title challengers. But um, I've got to say, I think they've done... But Frank Lampard's done a better job than I expected, and they've been they've been better than I expected. Yeah, I, th- I think Chelsea have had a massive benefit of a favourable press um, this, this season. Um, they, they've been kind of dubbed as the underdog, and it's given them a lot of breathing space. Um, you know, they, they shouldn't be dubbed the underdog whatsoever. Um, you know, obviously the the transfer ban thing. Yeah, and getting in Frank Lampard, who has no experience at this this level, everyone kind of went into the season kind of dismissing Chelsea. So they they've had a nice chance to kind of go under the radar and just slowly develop the young players, you know, the young talent that they do have, and they have performed really well. But 
and when you actually look at the players, they even though they had a transfer ban, they were allowed to still sign uh, you know, Pulisic early, and, and they got a few loan players as well, which they were allowed to to keep then, uh, despite not being allowed to sign players because they already had them on loan. They they were kind of a dispensation for that as well. So um, they've still got an incredibly strong squad there, uh, despite this kind of underdog tag that they've been given. So, um, and now, obviously, as well, uh, they've just had their transfer ban overturned. So, they will now be allowed to sign players in January. So, uh, if they do get through this group, they might be able to strengthen further and actually become a real threat in the knockout stages of this tournament. Mm, could be interesting. And, and like you said, I actually expect them to, to navigate that game with Valencia and you know, do you look forward to the potential of maybe facing Ajax because we came close, uh, we came very close to uh, facing them in the final of last season's Champions League? I'd love us to play Ajax. I think their fans are absolutely fantastic. Um, it, it it would be like a fan off if we played them. <laughs> I think it would be, it would be absolute. It'd be half it'd and be, half scarves at the ready. <laughs> well, you know. What's not to like about Ajax, really, as, as a club? They play really good football, you know, good on the eye, easy on the eye, score loads of goals, develop young players and have a fan base who are, you know, not too dissimilar to ours in the fact that they're absolutely fanatical. Uh, you know, they sing songs flat out throughout the game and they turn up in their droves home and away. So I'd love us to play Ajax. I think it'll be a really tough game. But to be honest with you, the pressure's a bit off in the Champions League this season now. I, I've, strangely, I felt a bit that way that last season because we had that great run the season before and got to the final. Even though I was disappointed, I, I managed to enjoy the Champions League a lot more last season because I was so you know proud of our team. And I, I feel a bit like that this season now. You know, we've got that trophy in the bag. The pressure's a bit off. Don't get me wrong, I'm desperate to win it again. But I just think we've got the pedigree in this tournament now and we've got the confidence as well. So um, even though we have got a very, very tricky game, which we're going to get to shortly coming up, um, you know, I bring anyone on. I think Ajax would be a very tough draw, but I'd love to see it. Yeah, I, I certainly would too. Another one, I mean, looking here at Group A, their fixtures are on Wednesday night. Uh, Club Bruges at home to Real Madrid and then PSG at home to Galatasaray. Like we said, uh, there's just nothing really riding on this at all. Both teams are already through to the to the next phase of the competition. Uh, the only thing at, at play here is um, who goes through to the Europa League, um, which I'll be honest, I couldn't really care less. So we'll skip on from that one. <clears throat> Bayern Munich play Spurs in Group B which could be good for entertainment, but again, not really anything riding on that. And then there's Olympic, Olympiacos against Red Star for who gets the, uh, the the Europa League spot. In Group C, as we mentioned, Man City are already through. They're away to Dinamo Zagreb in an early kickoff, and it's Shakhtar at home to Atalanta. Um, so Shakhtar being at home to Atalanta, you'd expect them. They're, on, they're currently second on six points. You think this really is Shakhtar's um, to lose in in terms of getting through to the next stage of the competition? Yeah, you'd expect so. You know, t- to be honest, I haven't seen them play much, so I, I can't really give any sort of expert opinion on uh, on Shakhtar. 
but uh, you know, with with that advantage, you know, you'd fully expect them just to just to kind of creep over the line and get through to the next stage. Yeah, yeah, you certainly expect so at home as well. Always a tough proposition. And and then final ones uh, in Group D, you've got Atletico at home to Lokomotiv Moscow and Bayer Leverkusen at home to Juventus. Now this could be quite interesting uh, in so much as. Locomotive down at the bottom, not expected to really do anything against uh, Atletico. So you'd imagine Atletico win. Now, a win for Atletico would take them to 10 points, which would put them out of touch of Bayer Leverkusen. So um, it's not really in Bayer Leverkusen's hands. And they're at home to Juventus. So I don't expect the top two in this group to change, but... I, I think it could be tremendous entertainment watching Leverkusen throw everything at Juve to try and win this game. Yeah, it, it's one of those games where if we could get a scenario where it's nil-nil with Atletico Madrid at half-time and, and Leverkusen happen to be 1-0 up against Juventus, the, the, there might be some twitching going on, you know, and, and you never know what might happen then. It's... The last game of the group can be a funny thing and, you know, unexpected things can happen. So, you know, obviously we're hoping that's not the case in our group, but you never know in this group. But as you said, you, you still fully expect Atletico to have enough to just get the three points at home and just secure their place. Yeah, so it's certainly going to be interesting anyway. And as you mentioned, you know, a lot of good teams already through. It's now up to Liverpool to make sure that they're through to the next stage of this competition. And and that takes us to this uh, Salzburg game. Um, <clears throat> just before we get onto it then, how impressed were you with Salzburg last time we, we played them at Anfield? I, I was really impressed. Um, you know, I know we, we kind of raced into an early, you know, a very fast three three goal lead. But at that point, I was still saying, these can play. You know, they they are a footballing side. I was very impressed with how they were keeping the ball, how they were attacking with, you know, real aggression. And I, it was weird. It was a strange game. But even though we were 3-0 up, I was never kind of singing and dancing. I, I still felt like we were a bit slack in the game and I wasn't comfortable with how we were defending. Don't get me wrong, I was not expecting them to come back to 3 all. Uh, by by the hour mark, but I I was really really impressed with the football they played. They they played football in the right way. They played aggressive football. They pressed really hard. They they attacked with numbers. Uh, and there were some players there who who really really stood out for me, and I was very very impressed. So, um, there's no two ways about it. With our currently creaking defence, who have even managed to concede two goals against. Uh, relegation contenders Everton um, it is definitely going to be a tricky little fixture this one yeah no, I mean I think there's only a couple of clean sheets this season yeah uh, and nice to get a little another little dig in at Everton um, in that game I, I, I think you're absolutely right look you know Salzburg were able to capital, uh, capitalise on, on Liverpool kind of almost switching off you know they played some fabulous football for half an hour but then starting to switch off and, and we really saw that the this pace and the power that they have about them 
and the aggressiveness. Like you said, that you know they never gave it up, even though they were three down, they never stopped working, and it and it was quite impressive. And and so much of the attention has been on uh, the striker Erling Erling Haaland, and obviously you know his father played in the Premier League, and so many top clubs across Europe being linked with him, and yeah, he scored goals, but. I've got to say the player that really uh, caught my eye on the night was uh, was Huang. The the other forward he scored a goal uh, left Virgil Van Dijk on his backside and um, you know I I guess you know what you said we've we've got to be careful though we we might see a repeat of that. Oh yeah, definitely. These these guys know how to attack. Um, Minamino really impressed me as well. Actually, uh, they just played with just aggression and a smile on their faces and they just they, they didn't hold back you know it, it was in a weird way nice to see a team just kind of go for it at Anfield um, I know usually it's it's a recipe for disaster and it quite you know it could quite easily have been because they did leave it open at the back and and you know we could have really run away with it if, if they hadn't kind of got their, their themselves back into the game so um, yeah, a few of them really impressed. Obviously, Haaland wasn't fit for this game, so he had to start from the bench. So we haven't really got to see much of him against us. You know, obviously he came on and scored straight away, but with with a little two-yard tap in, it, it's clear to see that he he really is an excellent goal poacher. I, I've been watching quite a few clips of his goals this season, and he, he runs his socks off when there's a counter-attack on. It's no coincidence he's getting these tap-ins. You know, some people don't seem to give credit for people who score tap-ins. It's something, it, it's not a coincidence. It's something that happens purely due to positional intelligence. And that's something that Haaland clearly has. Um, what's he got? Something like seven goals in the five games. Now he scored in every group match. And, he, and one of them was a hat-trick. So, yeah, it's got to be at least seven goals he scored in the five games. So, you know, for me... Him, Huang, Minamino, between them, it, they're going to be a handful. So it, it's going to be a really exciting game. I just feel that, especially after we've managed to give Salah a nice little rest uh, against Everton, we we are the type of team who really step up to the plate when it mo- you know matters the most. And fingers crossed, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just just looking at, I mean, obviously domestically they're very, very strong. They're unbeaten in the in the Austrian league. It's difficult to really sort of kind of hold that up because the strength of like that league is quite weak. But in this Champions League competition this season, they really have, you know, caught the eye and 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 rightly got credit for for their performances. You know that smashing of Genk in the opening group game really sort of uh, make made everyone sort of sit up and take you know take note and attend you know make some attention to them. Um, the performance, as we mentioned, at Anfield coming back from three goals down to draw level uh, before eventually us actually you know winning the game narrowly narrow narrowly if I can say that, uh, di- uh, losing at home to to Napoli and then drawing away to Napoli, which uh, I think, Sam, as we've experienced going away to Napoli, is not an easy thing. So, you know, that, that shouldn't be underestimated. You know, that resolute, you know, that the nature that they have to their game. Yeah, I think I, I was definitely guilty and I think a lot of people were 
kind of dismissing them as a threat in this group when the, the draw was made. You know, I kind of looked at it and thought, Genk, nice and easy. Salzburg, you know, obviously a bit better, but I was I was still kind of confident that we'd comfortably go through the group. So I, I must admit, I didn't realise just how good their attacking unit is. So it, it's something, and, and as you've said as well, they've also shown a bit of steel in defence when they've needed it. You know, even though I said earlier that Man City's probably our biggest threat to win in this Champions League. It, it's probably Napoli because they seem to be our bogey side these days. So um, for Salzburg to compete with Napoli to that level as well, it really does show that it wasn't a fluke, that performance at Anfield. And these are a team that really do mean business. Yeah, and they dis- they dispatched Genk in their last game. So, you know, they're, they're well up for it. They're in a good position. They've still got everything to play for. Obviously, they're going to be very much motivated. Uh, we, I mean, that video was online, wasn't it, of their coach giving them the uh, the team talk at halftime, ripping into them uh, in the dressing room. So we we know they're going to be up for it. We know they're going to be motivated. They know we know that they can hurt us. They can score the goals. But we know as well, Sam, from that last game, that we can hurt them. That we can get in behind them. That we've got that quality. And as we saw, you know, on Wednesday night against Everton, that. You know, whether it's the first choice front three or whether it's Divock Origi or whether it's Shakiri, we've got the quality and attack to a hurt teams. And I, in some ways, I, I almost wonder if us playing away from home kind of helps because of that uh, counter-attacking nature that we uh, are so good at. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, that might actually suit us against Salzburg because they're, they're probably going to have a lot more pressure at home to attack us aggressively and even though you know they 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 can score a lot of goals from it we you know, we we know going to have Allison back um as well which is you know a big boost um and also you know we're going to be looking at it but there's going to be a lot of gaps that we're going to be able to exploit because they're going to be so aggressive in attack and desperately trying to win this game so i you know, i just think we've got the nose in the team we we've shown it last season I am a bit nervous, but uh, and I, I'm slightly worried that maybe our eyes are elsewhere at the moment with the Premier League. But there's no bigger motivation than avoiding going into the Europa League. <laughs> so, you know, because <laughs> yeah. that is going to be an absolute ball ache. If we're trying to win the league and we've got to start playing Thursday night football, that is going to put a massive spanner in the works. So more than anything, more than qualifying for the next round, it's actually, for our league-winning chances, it's more important that we avoid having to play Thursday night football in the Europa League. So that, more than qualifying and trying to win the thing, is what is making me think that Klopp is going to go all out to win this game. And I think maybe some of the the team lineup that he picked against Everton is an indication that he's planning ahead for these quick fire fixtures that we've got. Obviously, the weekend now with Bournemouth, and then quickly then on to Salzburg. So I think Klopp is clearly already rotating the squad for us to be at our you know top potential for this match, and hopefully you know that's going to pay off. Uh, that's an interesting point actually, because that is something he's done before. Is planning ahead. You know, we we get a, a surprise 
couple of team selections and you think, you know, odd that he's picked this player and that player. And then a couple of games time, we see them playing. And as, as you mentioned, you know, it's, it's that kind of forward planning that's a little bit of a surprise. So with that in mind, I mean, just stopping on the front three, do you think we'll be seeing the, the first choice front three or with it being under the floodlights and that potential of counter-attacking uh, in the way that we did against Everton, the direct through ball, the pace over the top, the power, that finishing, he's inspired uh, in this competition particularly. It, could this be a game where Divock Origi is, is a starter for Liverpool? I I don't think so. I I won't be massively surprised if he is because... You know his performance against Everton was excellent, and you know so was Shakiri as well. But for me, when you get down to a game like this where you mess it up, you're out. He will always go back to the the number one team, you know, the Champions League final team. He will pick his best boys for this game, in my opinion. So if he is going to rotate again, he might try to kind of capitalise on the bit of momentum that we've gathered from that Everton performance with the you know the second string players playing you might ask them to go again um to a level against Bournemouth we'll see he might decide actually against Bournemouth he'll start with the main guys but then if it's going well you know pull them off the pitch after an hour to leave them fresh enough for this game you know there's there's no two ways about it this game could be absolutely pivotal for this season it's it's huge um, yeah. Even though, you know, I, as you said earlier, we were desperate for a rest. For I think, I think I wanted a rest for myself more than anything. Just <laughs> yeah, because you know, you know that, yeah. that. I think Arsenal, we mentally we need it as much as the players. We really do, you know. Even though we're so lucky and we're, we're seeing something special here, it's still exhausting watching us. Uh, you know, we are we work so hard on the pitch, but they make us work as fans as well because they are cutting it fine at times. But, you know, so I we did want that break for just mentally, but I really do think that, and we've shown it last season as well, by getting 97 points and winning the Champions League, we seem to perform well when there's fixture after fixture after fixture. Momentum really does pick up, and Klopp has proven himself to be a big momentum manager. It's not purely just down to the sports science. Obviously, that, that is a massive factor, and that's why we've got this rotation going on now. But Klopp is a big confidence man and I think he does look to capitalise on players when they're at their peak of confidence. So um, I think that's something that's really going to help us now through this. But to answer your question that you asked for about half an hour ago, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I really do think he's going to go for you know the absolute first choice boys for this match, including the front three. Yeah, but with some excellent uh, options off the bench. And as you mentioned, yeah, it is exhausting watching Liverpool almost exhausting as play for them. So perhaps Gags can come up with some uh, stats, measuring stats for for us as fans, maybe a heart rate monitor or something like that. But so that that's the front three. As you've mentioned, look, we the the defence is what we expect it to be. Allison is in goal. I think the only question left on this game then is the midfield. Um, who do you expect to start? And with the absence of Fabinho. That all-important number six role, who do you expect to uh, be deployed there? Do you think it will be Ginny or perhaps uh, John Henderson? Yeah, that that Fabinho injury felt like a real 
gut punch. Um, for this game especially, I really, really wanted the security of Fabinho in the team uh, away from home against these. I think having him in there, I would have felt a lot more confident going into the game. Uh, after watching Genie's performance in the flesh at Anfield, I saw some things that you, you often miss on the coverage and, my God, he was absolutely fantastic, I thought, on the day. He he worked his socks off and he, he really did put in a defensive shift. He was covering, there was a couple of times uh, where they nearly got away on the break Everton and, and he just shut it down. So for me, you know, Henderson can do a job, but don't put him in that position. In my, in my opinion, Henderson... His, his strengths are if he's pushed forward a little bit and he gets the chance to run and, and isn't quite so pinned back by defensive duties because he does, in my opinion, tend to switch off a little bit more than maybe Wijnaldum does. So in this game where we know they're going to attack really well, I, I would definitely, definitely go for Genie in that uh, defensive role. Yeah, and what about with them then? Are we expecting John Henderson to be played alongside Ginny? And then just a question of who the third player is there. And with his <clears throat> with his history and connections to to Salzburg, uh, is it is this the perfect match for Naby Keita to uh, to start the game? Well, I would I would say absolutely no chance usually because he hasn't had a sniff for a while. So you know, usually I'd say. I'd be very surprised to see him in there. But after what he did with Shakiri in in the Merseyside derby, which is always going to be a massive game, the guy hadn't started a game for something ridiculous like seven months <laughs> or something. So you never know. I think Klopp is doing a lot of work on the training pitch and he's he's I think he's talking to the players and telling them, look, you're going to get a chance at this point. You're going to get a chance at this point. It's something Fergie was was famous for with Man United. You wouldn't see a player for months, and then they would just come in for a stint during the Christmas period when it gets really busy, and they would still perform. Um, so I'm hoping Naby Keita is ready, you know, fit and firing and ready to go. Because if we can get him going and playing anything to his potential, then he, for me, I'd have him in all day long. Because it's something, it's it's only him and Oxley Chamberlain really that have got that ability to run with the ball at pace and and beat a man and kind of break the defensive lines. So yeah, I'd I'd love to see him in this game. It's just something that I'd I'd be quite surprised to see still. Yeah, um, and then so very briefly then before we wrap things up, uh, how would how would you sum up uh, Liverpool's? Or how would you summarise Liverpool's defence of the Champions League so far this season? Then this group stages, how, how do you feel it's gone? Well, it, it's very, very similar to last season in in the fact that I thought last season Klopp clearly targeted the league, um, and at at the start of the you know the group stage, he was rotating a couple of players for the Champions League games rather. You know, as as opposed to the Premier League games, and it, it's kind of very much the same thing in the Champions League this season. I think it's it might be a case of the way Man City have gone in the league. It's left us no choice but to be. You know, we we can't draw points in the league at all. It it feels like that's the way now. Obviously, this season that they they've dropped off a bit, but that's given us the chance to kind of build up this lead. Whereas in the Champions League, you always see that. 
you know, around the 10-point mark, which we've already got, usually is enough for you to already qualify. So it, it does give us that little bit of leeway in order for us to have the odd, you know, performance or defeat where you can kind of let it go. So it, we haven't been at our best at all. I think we've just kind of done what's necessary to try and get through to the next stage. Um, so it, it, it hasn't been good to watch, but I think we all know that we've got bigger fish to fry and Klopp is kind of doing a bit of a juggling act and has sacrificed a couple of points in the Champions League just to make sure that we've been absolutely firing on all cylinders in the league. And, you know, we 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 really can't complain with the, the turn that we've had in the league because of it. So for me, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's all part of this uh, incredible journey. And and as I said, look, I think going back um, four years now, when when Klopp was appointed, I always wanted him to to become Liverpool manager at some point. Uh, uh, Dortmund's a club that um, I've had a soft spot for. I used to I used to go to school there many many years ago. So I, I've long had a soft spot for Dortmund. Followed Klopp at Dortmund. The connection he had with the crowd, the footballer played. I just thought he was made for Liverpool. I knew <clears throat> him. If he came to Liverpool, it would be a great journey. Uh, there'd be no guarantee of success, but we've had some success. But it would be a journey. It would be an incredible journey that we we would never forget. And I think this is this is what we're experiencing. You know, it's, it's it has its ups and its downs, but whatever along the way, it's an incredibly emotional passionate unforgettable journey and and the connection with the with the team has 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 been really really strengthened between the fans and the team and and you there's i don't know there's, there's something he has this unique thing about him and it's it just feels that you you're going alongside you're going along with him you're riding along with this team so i think like you said you know you, you wouldn't change it for the world for good for bad it's um, it, like you said, the ups and the downs. It's um, you, you can't change it. It's just, it's an experience, and it's something to to enjoy while it lasts. Absolutely, he's he's a he's special, special manager, and he's seen something with Liverpool, a massive potential. And I think the first thing he targeted was the mentality of the fans. And you know, we got mocked for that kind of two-two against West Brom. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, never forget well, that. I was there. Never forget that. Oh, really? Um, you know, we got mocked for that, but you saw at the time, already you could see progress and you could see that he was working really, really hard on us because he knows that crowd at Anfield especially can be a really, really powerful thing. And that match against West Brom where he did the, you know, standing up to the crowd, give him a standing ovation and everything, that was the first building block for us to achieve that comeback against Barcelona. You know, that that gave us the kind of start for us to slowly build up the confidence again and get that home crowd fully on side and always believing and always fighting to the death. And I just think that is the, the most impressive thing he's done since he's come to us. And it was something he actually said at the start, wasn't it? He, he wanted to turn doubters into believers. And it's something he's he's done fantastically well. Yeah, from doubters to believers to winners, and that that's the real thing. Yeah, you know that that connection. It's there's a special connection. It's a special team. He's a special manager. 
and and we do have a special history with this competition and and like you said it, it it's there's always something there seems to be something on the line uh, so with all of that in mind everything riding on this game you know to take us through to the the next stage of the competition it feels like we've been here so many times before last season uh, the Istanbul season so with with all of that in mind how confident are you then uh, because I've got to put you on the spot and give and ask for your match prediction uh, Salzburg versus Liverpool what do you think it's going to end up well, based on the evidence of the last two seasons, I, I've got to be confident. You know, we we don't lose many games, right? And that's the only thing that's going to knock us out of this tournament now is is a defeat. Um, so, personally, I think, as I touched on earlier, he's he's rotating the squad now cleverly to make sure that we can try and peak for this game. Um, I'd like to see him maybe go for Oxley Chamberlain in midfield. Uh, just to give us that attacking threat to really capitalise on the gaps that they're bound to leave at the back because they're going to be attacking us. And if I have to get a score prediction, uh, I'm going to go... I, I can't predict a clean sheet the way we're going at the moment. There, there's always gaps as, as we're going. So I'm going to predict a 3-1 win to Liverpool. Oh, that's, that's, that sounds too sort of um, straightforward. It is, isn't it? It's bold. <laughs> it has to be another four-three. <laughs> it, it's it's gonna be two two of those goals in injury time, but uh, oh, right, right. <laughs> okay. uh, is is probably it's, they're gonna make a sweat, aren't they? They yeah. love it. Yeah. It's so be... um, yeah. So uh, but no, I I I've got confidence that we're gonna step up this, mate. And uh, it, it's too big not to, even if it's just for the league's uh, sake. So um, we're gonna bring our own game, hopefully. Excellent. Well, thank uh, thank you so much, Sam. It's been a blast to talk uh, all the way through with match day five, match day six. And my, the superstition side of me says I hope we will be back. But I'm sure that we will be back for the next stage, the knockout stages of the competition with Liverpool facing whoever that may be. But until then, from me, Andy Wills, here at the Champions League podcast, it's come on the Reds. Bye-bye now. Hello. Lovely cushion header. But Gerrard! Oh, you beauty! What a headshot! What a hit! The time to Luis Garcia. Tries his mark. Podcast Network.